condition my condition was in I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I told my man. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in hell. Welcome back to Station Jacks. I'm Tom Al. Matt Bird on the board. SP Futures down 15. NASDAQ Futures down 63. Down a little bit after a huge move on Friday. It's not much of a move. We'll be up in a second here. Mm. Uh, most most of the green, the screen is is red, but just not very much. And Friday, I mean, everything was up, you know, two, three, four percent. Mm. Uh, crazy, absolutely crazy to the upside. I mean, you don't normally get that in bull markets, but who knows? I think the, what's going on, Greg, now is the uh, Mr. Greg Pappas uh, uh, is defies any kind of definition of history, wouldn't you say? We do have uh, green in the grains. I'm not sure if that's good or bad but uh wheat's up a bunch mold. yeah the the uh beans and corn are up also so you got some green there if you want it well that's uh, a lot of that is allegedly because the russian uh russia's withdrawn from this ukrainian export deal right yeah the ukrainian export deal is is on the back burner now and the grain traders and most people thought that would affect wheat most you're probably up about 50 cents in the front contracts and wheat it's a big move in wheat. Big move, considering the contract is about, or it started, you know, last week at around eight fifty, and now we're, now we're at nine dollars. So. What What are the? I'm going to say the traditional price going way back of wheat has been what? Corn, for years was two fifty a bushel, and then yeah, it became three, four, and then we were around five, and and now we've juiced it kind of to around seven with all the inflation talk and and such. And well, uh, it's not just talk if it's costing you seven. Oh, definitely, definitely. It's it's affecting, starting to affect demand, uh, not as much as you'd think, but but uh, the wheat also, you know, now we're around nine dollars. So if you're if you're used to five or seven, and now you've got nine, hello. You know. Yeah, it's uh, what are beans like? Fourteen, fifteen. Beans have actually uh, done the best. Well, they originally they spooked them up to I think like seventeen. You know, now we're trading in the front months. Probably Jan is. Fourteen and a half or fourteen twenty. I asked you last week. Uh, for those that don't know, Greg is a is a master of the crush, which is the <laughs> grain grain. Uh, it's the product of what the producers. That's what they shoot for. You want to take the beans and crush them into something useful. Does that ever get so far out of whack that somebody delivers either the oil or the meal? That's the only market. I mean, you always want beans to be crushed into soy oil and soy meal so we can use them for 
you know, anything from salad dressing to animal feed. But I'm saying, is it ever, it's so goofy, like where the, where the meal goes so far ahead yeah, of the... Yeah, we're in one of those situations right now. Uh, normally your product, you know, the if you crush your beans and sell them to craft or, or farmers uh, who have cattle or whatever animals they want to feed, uh, normally you you have to pay around a buck or, you know, 70 to $1.20, 70 cents to $1.20 per contract. Now we're trading close to, you know, 250 to 3 320 or so. The front is even higher. Well, uh, let me ask the question another way. If, if soybeans are 10 bucks and you crush it, how much of the 10 bucks is oil and how much of it's meal normally? Uh, in the oil, it's... It depends on how many beans you have, obviously. So the beans are the multipliers are one point one and two point two for the for the meal and oil. So the oil you get uh, about sixty thousand pounds of bean oil from one contract of beans and you get about one point one uh or a hundred short tons of meal from one contract of beans. I thought of one contract was five thousand bushels. Right. Which so, is a railroad car. Right. So uh, for each 5,000 bushels, you get about 100 short tons of meal. All right, I'll go back to a railroad car. Do you end up with a third of a railroad car of oil and two-thirds of meal, or what do you end up with? Um, you can't really store the, the oil in the standard car. Right, but I'm saying in terms of w- which, in the bean itself, is it like a third oil, two-thirds be- meal, or is it the other way, half and half? Um, in, <laughs> I'm not sure down to the bean, but we do it in terms of, uh, that's, I'll find out for you next time. And okay. But the, uh, the contract is about 5,000. You get about, um, 60 pounds per bushel. So 60 pounds per bushel, you know, times 5,000 is 300,000 pounds of beans. On a railroad car, wow. Yeah. And that yields about a hundred short tons of, uh, meal. All right. Well, that's fair. The uh, sixty thousand pounds. So it's two thirds, one third. Yeah, hundred hundred would be t- would be a hundred would be two hundred thousand in, in in meal and hundred thousand oil. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, lots of salad dressing and lots of animal feed. Yeah. Right well, that's a uh, you know we way back in the day we had an uh, outfit out of Milwaukee that made uh, candy. And this is a weird part about futures contracts is that even when people used to charge you know relative a lot for a futures contract, a, a futures firm. It still wasn't worth anything that, in other words, if, if you, you know, manage somebody's money, uh, you know, with any kind of options or with anything, I mean, if you just charge, you know, reasonable, I mean, nothing like the big firms charge, you just charge reasonable commissions, it's somewhat of enough to do the uh, uh, consulting work and, the, you know, and to talk to people and do the, you know, helping them out and all that kind of good stuff. It's... It's you know it's an okay return to do that. I mean, some firms, obviously, the bigger firms just totally rape you, but we don't do that. Uh, they would say they don't. They would say their advice is so good. But <laughs> I don't know if I'd go there, Greg. But is that the Goldman Sachs? Uh, well, yeah, I'm just saying. I'm not mentioning names, but everybody knows who I these can people mention are. Them. You know, Morgan, Goldman, you name it. Uh, so the uh, I mean, they, they charge. But anyway, it, but if you're doing a, it's a virtually impossible to do that on the futures side. I mean, we had this uh, group that was uh, well, they were a company that was. Wanted us to help them hedge their, their uh, cocoa. For those that don't know, candy's what one one third cocoa, two thirds sugar, chocolate, something yeah. like that. And yeah, uh, ring it up. Yeah, milk chocolate. Yeah, milk chocolates. And uh, so, 
so you have a, a big plant. I mean, not, not Tootsie Roll, but if you had a, if you had a big plant that, that made, you know, box chocolates or whatever. Tootsie Roll's public. You can buy them, if I think. No, what I'm saying they, that would be a massive contract they have. They would, they would be a, a lot of cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but these guys, I mean, and they were, uh, they were, what, one contract, maybe two of cocoa a month and, and two, maybe four of sugar. Right. So there's no way you could charge enough to, to be on the phone with somebody, you know, four hours or five hours because it was it was essentially one one railroad car of cocoa and two of sugar. It lasted them the whole month. So it was three contracts. Yeah. Back uh, back in the day, there used to be a significant amount of uh, ma- food manufacturers here. Tootsie Roll was one of them. Well, there's there's there. In the offices. I'm no, no, no. There are plants here. The one plant in the world is out Ford City. Oh, that's it? My uh, my nephew, his firm, their uh, uh, some of their machines that they use are pieces are so fascinating because nothing is more other than maybe like Hoover Dam or someplace. There's nothing more fascinating than this Tootsie Roll plant. Yeah, and it's really really something. And uh, Blommers is still here. I think they were bought by. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the guys down on uh, Displays Lake. You can't go buy chocolate there anymore. Lemonheads as well. Gotta love them. Well, j- virtually every chocolate manufacturer was here at one point. Oh yeah. I mean. Uh, but I don't, I don't think they are anymore. But the uh, anyway, the uh, they he says, what did he say? They make something like three million pieces of chocolate, pieces of something a day. In Tootsie Roll, it's way yeah. more than that. You know, I mean, it's it's a massive. I mean, how many Tootsie Roll pops per day, and how many the little the little you know the little tiny ones and the bigger ones? He says it's in the millions of pieces of candy a day. Oh, definitely. I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. You know, a million an hour. Yeah, I said they did three hundred thousand an hour of one of them. Wow! Right. Um, anyway, the futures are good. Uh, good for hedging your sugar exposure too. If you if you get the right uh, sugar price, that determines, like you said, if that's the majority of the candy, that determines if, if you can undercut your competitors. And but it, but even a even a reasonable size candy maker takes a while to go through a a tank car of cocoa. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a. I mean, that's what I'm saying. These things are big contracts. You, your natural gas contract is massive, right? Natural gas, yeah, and it's got to be able to get to wherever too. So transportation costs are are part of it. Same thing with like the the beans right now because of the low levels on the uh, on the Mississippi. Yeah, there's a little bit of rain we got this morning. I don't think it's filling up the river system. Uh, in in the past week, I think it's up a foot. So only like eight more to go until we're you know, good. Uh, we'll get to do, good to do something. It's nowhere near even at, at eight. No, no, we're. We're still significantly below, but we do have some rain in the forecast, so that's some of the good news in, in ags. Uh, well, they're showing uh, there's spots where you can walk out how far into the, yeah. the, the river, and they get get buried uh, ships and everything out there. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. At least there's no like alligators and stuff like it would be other places. Oh, yeah. That would be bad. I think it was 40% uh, reduced loads. Like we talked about last week, the barges are gone from like, uh, I don't know, 50 50 toed to like 25 or, or 40. Yeah, that's, uh, that's quite the industry. Or 40. Um, they, they start at 40 and now they're down to 25. So what does it do to you? Like your, your, your industry is like, two, like <laughs> two bushel or two dollars a, a bushel to the contract. So, yeah, you know, we, if it's really 12 and you were counting on 30 cents or 40 cents to ship it, now you're paying, you know, 230 or whatever. Well, so I don't think even if, even if you wanted to. I don't think there's enough, enough covered hoppers cars left to, to do it by rail, is there? Uh, as we get into the end of harvest, uh, it's going to be tighter and tighter. I'd say now, you know, because of the good weather, we've had 
we're way ahead of schedule uh, for harvesting. So normally where they'd be around half right now or, or a little bit more than that, I think they're they're 20% ahead. So like maybe 60 or 70% of corn is done and almost 90 is done in beans. So we're ahead. How much of a... I mean, not being a, a farmer, but from and that'll put more, you know, more uh, pressure on the river system to. Well, what uh, when when you have when Audrey and I last week went down to, uh, well, went to the pumpkin to, patch. No, no, hell, it's right, it's right, it's right <laughs> near her though. Boy, that guy's making a fortune this year. Oh yeah. I mean, last year he got rained out on probably three to weekends. This year has been no rain. I mean, he's been open every every night, and they they get. He must have. I'm going to say 1,500 cars there when it's. Well, Illinois is the place for pumpkins. Yeah. We do, uh, I think, a quarter of the country's pumpkin. Hmm. Well, that's cool. But ours are good, so <laughs> ours are ours are mostly used for the food. Well, there's a big thing. You can't just, you just buy a big old pumpkin. You can't use that for pie necessarily. you got to get a pie pumpkin. In pumpkin. Illinois, you can, definitely. Really? I thought you needed a pie pumpkin. Um, in Illinois, I think the majority of ours pumpkins are for food. And in the other states, I think the other big ones are Indiana, California. They've got the show pumpkins. All right, we don't, we don't want a show pumpkin. But no, I mean, in Illinois, we got the good stuff. Yeah, they were out of pumpkin pies yesterday. A couple places I went. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, happy Halloween. Yep. <laughs> um, hey, no, my question is, I mean, uh, my brother tells me all this because he was on the Florida uh, CBOT for a while. Traded. Uh, he did. He did corn options, so he knew all about corn. So. That being the the accountant of his background, right? So, but uh, now I noticed that the fields are abnormally dry around here. We, hence the name, we have yeah. any rain. So, yeah. but I mean that is now if you, on a, I'll say a normal year or a wet year, the farmers, you know, once you harvest the stuff, it's got a pretty high moisture content. All that stuff has to be dried, and it takes natural gas. If you just, if you just put it in a silo wet, all you're going to do is get a bunch of mold, right? Right. And so. It does take energy and storage capacity and all that other fun stuff that costs you a little bit. And if you dry it too much, then you get your <laughs> then you're underpaid for what you're delivering on. Yeah, you want to get just to the right number because there's a yeah, that's a big that's a big art. Well, and any, but I'm saying this year, how much natural gas are we going to save because of the dry weather? Weather is is that one of the reasons why natural gas is down this low? Um, about you know there's reasons and everything we can talk about you know trying to predict but i'd say the majority of the commodities are are most sensitive to uh the recession fears so in something like yeah but you're gonna heat your house i would think even in a recession yeah the you I guess I'm we, that's kind of standard demand we kind of know where that but how much is. when those guys turn all these things on let's say in october or november where we are now and everybody's drying the hell out of their corn all over, you know, four states. What load is is that on the natural gas delivery system? Is it 5%, 10%, 2%? Uh, I don't know specifically about the load, but I do know it's fairly consistent throughout the years. And we we can kind of see that more so than we can see the either recession or, or uh, you know, external shocks kind of like, or how much are we exporting, stuff like that. Well, we're, we're, we're dancing around here for the listeners, and it's actually very fascinating. I mean, I'm probably not everybody's all that interested, but uh, it's very fascinating when you, if you, if you showed up with a, with, a, with a grain load of, uh, a car load of corn, you can say corn is, what, $8 a bushel, right? Uh, 
but that doesn't mean your current is eight dollars a bushel. There's a million different grades, right? Definitely, to definitely, you've got to pay for uh, either storing it, transporting it, or or the quality itself too. Um, it, there, that all goes into pricing. So if you show up with a car, a railroad car full of corn, or I guess maybe a truckload. So for example, now if you showed up to an elevator. They might not take it. They said, right. oh, well, we can't ship it, so see ya. Well, I always remember being in a, we, my extended family was in Ohio, and it was a wedding or a wake. That's kind of why you go down there. But uh, and I was, we'd drive by these places in Ohio. You go through all these little towns, and there's always a grain guy. Well, one guy was busting out, and he had his massive pile of corn just outside. Mm-hmm. And what's what's the shrinkage? I mean, he had the railroad there, so he must have been waiting for, I don't, I don't imagine he was planning on keeping it out there too long, but... What's the, what's the what if it rains? How many mice are in there? Yeah, you've got. Uh, you've I mean, got all sorts of farm animals going for your corn. I mean, I, different diseases and. But I mean, if you show up with a car, what I'm trying to get to, is isn't the way to inspect that you put this, essentially this big, lack of a better term, a big hypodermic needle down the center of the car, right, and you do all four corners. Yeah, they have to. And then you take the five and you spill them out on a table, and you check the moisture content. You check how much of it's crawling, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. basically, you, you give somebody a rating on that car load, and they, he might get, let's say, the going prices. It's never going to be eight where you delivered. It's eight in New Orleans, right? It's eight, or it's eight where you do. Well, it's, it's eight where in a, in a delivery spot. Right. But now, if you have your corns a little crummier, they might say yours is 750 or six, right? Right. And if they really want it, they'll say, oh, we're going to pay you more. Yeah. And, and so if they're scrambling for beans, they'll say, okay, you know. Here you go. We're paying you a premium. So, so, so all right, that's I'll even different than like the futures, the price game that we play, um, the basis game. They say that's the biggest trade out there. Was is where what you the, the cash versus the futures. So what it's what actually is changing hands when you get there, but in terms of where's it where's it going, uh, I think this year most of our corn or most of our grains are going to Mexico and China. Really? Yeah. Or the exports where they go are Mexico, China, uh, Japan, Canada. And I thought we, did, we sent a lot of beans to Japan, too. Yeah, so, so well, if we do... Well, we were doing do some stuff here out of PTI. We were, we were or some people affiliated with PTI. We were never in the grain. PTI was never in the grain business. But, I mean, uh, Vietnam, Thailand gets some. Yeah, so if, if we're talking, like, uh, metric tons, I want to say, Mexico would would probably be the highest i think this year around 30 china probably around 25 and then uh, but the stuff to china and japan doesn't a lot of that go by rail to uh portland and seattle and leave from there um portland and seattle are are mostly to china yeah well that's because those are those are those are the guys that got hurt the worst when china when we had the black black well we right. had the tariff fight with china and we've got more problems with uh with uh, transport now again. Hey, what's the story with? Uh, I'm looking to see where where Disney is this morning. It's only down 66 cents. What? what, what I can't. I cannot get over this deal in uh, Shanghai. Oh, in Shanghai, they they have COVID can <laughs> the COVID problems again, so they mm. shut down Disney, right? Yeah, but they, they didn't shut it down. You can't go in. You can't come out. Yeah, until you're tested negative. Yeah. So, but are there like beds and restaurants and uh, enough bathrooms and everything for all those people? I'm assuming <laughs> it was busy. Well, Disney's pretty good at that. Uh, I've got a family member. They don't who have beds is, there. Who, who works there? And, and 
in in Disney China, it's actually a little different. They've got much more space, um, so I'm sure they'll be able to figure it out. It's they have enough sleeping bags. <laughs> well, that's easy to get compared to. I don't. I mean, I don't understand the whole their whole their whole reaction to this thing over there. But how, how about them bears? How about oh, them? Yeah. How about them? Uh, you know, it's funny. You listen to this stuff, and, and the, the, the the propaganda. Everything's that, propaganda. Chief. That, that, and, uh, you know, I can't get over. All my buddies are ecstatic that the that the family was able to get rid of Quinn for a fourth round pick next year. All I did on TV yesterday was saying, "Gee, we're kind of missing a guy over there. They're running right at the spot where the guy." Used to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Quinn's thirty-two, I want to say, and he's probably going to get you know deep in the playoffs with Philadelphia. So he was happy. If we're happy, good on him. But how? how we're happy. I mean, my, my nephew tells me that we're taking buying a, we're taking care of the wholesale. I, I don't know. I, I can't believe that. You got to plan for the future. If he's not the future, well, I, somewhere along the line, you're, you're you're selling a product. I mean, at some point, at some point, I guess the Cubs in the fifties, late fifties, could have gotten rid of Ernie Banks, but that's why I went to see him. I mean, there's a there's a fine Quinn line is there. Ernie Banks. What? Quinn is an Ernie Banks. No, but I'm saying there's a fine well, line there. there. So. If they had him instead of forty nine, what would have the Cowboys had yesterday? I mean, you know, I, I, I thirty five. Okay, but a good I, spot. Why I can never, I can't get anywhere near this argument because everybody, why do, why does everybody in football think instead of you just being a customer for the product that somehow you're the owner? That's the magic of the NFL, right? That's the magic it, of it sports. Is, That's it, why there's a huge premium. But I mean, how does wh- why does anybody care if the Bears save money? When you're the one buying the ticket, and all of a sudden there's a guy who just paid the play, and he's not there. Um, because you're a chump. Y- yes, you're. <laughs> we're the we're the product. They're not the product. <laughs> when you're paying, I mean, well, f- look, more people know about football than they do like stocks and stuff. So when you're more invested in football, that that's that's big. I you know I just I look at it. I mean, I, I love watching these sports because the people that do it. I mean, it's it's so spectacular. I played sports my whole life, and I know how, what what different end of the gene pool these guys are than me. I mean, I was pretty good at a lot of stuff, but nothing nothing like these guys. I mean, I'd be nervous any- if I was Fields right now. He got his clock cleaned a couple times. Yeah, and uh, he figures when he's running, he's safer than the pocket. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, well, he probably is. Uh, but anyway, the guy. Uh, look at last year's team. Two years ago, for those of those that have Bear fans that have no memory and I'm going to say no brain, they had they had five guys on a, on a defense. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not getting older. I get that part. You got to keep turning it over. I mean, I understand that. But at the Danny Trevathan, they had Khalil Mack, they had Eddie Goldman, they had Akeem Hicks, and they got Quinn. Those are five people that it's something that, that that's why that defense three years ago was pretty stout. But you had five people that are. Pretty damn near Pro Bowl caliber, right? Right. But now you got you know, now you get rid of all of them, and you got nobody. It's, it's not like it's not like you filled in with number one and two draft picks. Yeah, that so was the understanding when when uh, polls came, though, wasn't it? But understanding according to who they they tell you we're, we're going to get rid of all the good guys for five years. Hopefully, we'll get some new good guys, and, you, and people keep paying. The bad, though, people will probably keep paying. There's been a lot worse than than now, but. Uh, now the bad part is we kind of are lacking in both departments. So on offense, you know, Equinemia St. Brown and Dante Pettis can only take you so far. 
Oh uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so now you you're kind of lacking in both, but there's that hope for for the next two years. You know that that poles and Eberflus are gonna bl- just build around fields and and that's well defense. You've that's got what they're selling a defense. You've got three people that are that are good. You the two safeties. The one pick from last year. You got Eddie Jackson and you got Rokan Smith. The rest of the guys. Do they start for anybody? <laughs> uh, they're all in some of the worst teams. Yeah, that'd be once in a while. But they're playing the the draft pick and money game right now. In that they're trying to get a say a top ten or a top five draft pick and have a hundred million dollars in cap space, which they I think they do after Quinn. But but that's the game they're playing right but now. But the hundred million in cap space means that. It's 100 million. They're not paying anybody, and right now it's going right into Virginia's pocket. But they're gonna spend it. We think. We hope. Well, yeah. That's the Bears have always been philanthropists. Philanthropists, right? Right. They're they're great at. Oh, you know that contract to Cutler was a huge contract. The cut the contract to they've they've paid. I mean, they're just not good at picking the players to pay. Well, I mean, but the difference between going forward, okay, they've got. They got a crap team, so they're going to get a high part spot in the draft. I mean, Hopefully, you know, top five. You know, may, probably top ten. Uh, okay, it'll be top ten. But yeah. the okay, so where where I'm, where I'm going with this is that Buffalo was crap for so long. Their top fifteen people have to be. I bet they've got five to six number one picks, maybe more, and probably five to six at least number two picks. The Bears are not going to be near that. I mean, they're, they're talking. Th- I mean, this pick for, for for Quinn is the 120th person in the draft. Yeah. Hopefully, the guy will be special teams and maybe uh, in the rotation. Unless you really luck out, you're not going to get an all. You're not going to get a Quinn or a Khalil Mack or anybody like well, that. Well, they're going to have to pay Allen a lot. I mean, if if they keep him, right? Uh, Allen. In Buffalo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but I'm saying, but I'm saying that the. That the the stock of players on the team, the Green Bay Packers have won every year, and yet if you were to if you were to put their roster next to the Bears, and how many people are are higher in the draft than the Bears, it's, there's no comparison, and they've been winners every year, and the Bears Bears been losers. Well, Minnesota's the team now. Yeah. So, anyway, as we futures down twelve, Nasdaq futures down fifty three. Ready to stick around for a bit with Jan? And, uh, Absolutely. Uh, we'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. 
Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. What's happening? Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lord, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Allen. I'm Mr. John Flanning. In a second, we still have Greg Pappas. We have Matt Byrne on the board. SP futures down 14. NASDAQ futures down 50. So we're down a little bit, but. This is nothing compared to how much we were up on Friday. Dow down 82. I don't have uh, any individual. Like Home Depot down 254. They were up huge Friday. So uh, Friday was uh, everything that was in the healthcare was to the moon. Everything in oil was to the moon. It's uh, really a change in, uh, I guess, change in leadership, if you want to put it that way. But it's something. Over in Europe, we've got DAX up 33.2%. FTSE up 13.2%. Kekaran down 9.1%. So slow, mostly the upside over there. Asia. Nikkei up 482, uh, coming with us on Friday, 1.8%. Shanghai down 22.8%. These guys, Hang Seng down 176, 1.2, 14,687. Every week it seems like they drop another one of the thousands. 16, we go, it's not going to go any lower than that. 15, it's not going to go any lower than that. Now it's 14, the next target here. I mean, it, it's, that, would be, that would be scary. Uh, bonds, 10 year up 3 basis points, 4.04. The bond up 4 basis points, 2.13. Japan unchanged at 0.25. Imagine that. Oil down a buck 86.64. Brent down a buck 20. 94.57. Natural gas up 63 cents. Over six dollars now. 6.32. So that's up a, a dollar in a couple days, right? Uh, this 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 natural gas is not for the faint of heart. Our Bob uh, unchanged at 2.90. We've got gold down 50 cents. 16.44. Silver down a penny. 19.13. Copper down four cents. 3.38. We've got Bitcoin. 
up 64 bucks, 20,737, so comfortably over 20,000, comfortably way over 19,000 or 18,000 that people get worried. We have the dollar strong again today. We've got the euro back under a buck, 0.993. We got the British pound down uh, 1.15, it was 1.17. So that those things remain volatile and the dollar remains strong. Uh, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports, uh, Mr. Matt? Good morning and happy Halloween. It is currently 6.37 a.m. on Monday, October 31st, 2022. Traffic in Chicago, traffic is relatively all right at the moment. Nothing too scary this morning. Uh, as for the weather, though, a dense fog advisory for Chicago this morning in effect for Cook County and counties to the southwest. Currently at 55 degrees downtown, though. Today expect a high of 60 and a low of 47. In Phoenix, clear skies throughout the day, high of 83, a low of 55, currently temperatures at 55 degrees. Game 2 in the MLB World Series on Saturday, Astros beat Phillies 5-2. Tonight, Game 3, Phillies at Astros in Houston. Phillies stand at a win-loss of 87-75, Astros at 106-56. Game starts at 7.03 p.m. So far, series tied at 1-1. Yesterday in the NFL, Bears lose to Cowboys 49-29. Bears stand at three wins and five losses this 2022 season. Tonight, Cleveland Browns at home with the Bengals. Game starts at 7-15. Bengals 4-3. Browns 2-5. All for now, Chief. Back to you. What, um, Mr. Flanagan, are you here? John? I'm here. You're here. Well, good for you. <laughs> hey, good morning, Greg. Good for us. Yeah, good for us. Uh... <laughs> So a little bit of the conversation off break, which you should never do. I said, I'm, I said, well, you know, what is the deal with these uh, these football fans? They just keep getting sort of taken and taken, <laughs> and uh, the IQ can't be too high across the board. Of course, everybody's a football fan, so I'm accusing everybody of myself. So Greg's response was, the IQ is not too high anywhere. Not just with football. How's <laughs> that, that for it? I was I will say this from an economic point of view because I always I like to take these these crazy arguments we have and turn them into some sort of a an economic lesson if if, if, they're, if that's the right term or an economic example let's put it that way I think guys if you could roll with me on this one maybe you won't uh, I think when you when you you lose the day of uh, of every every day you go and pay for the event today you know I'm gonna go see the Cubs today I'm gonna go see the White Sox today I'm I got whatever. I'm going to make time to go pay my 20 bucks or fade 50 bucks or 100, whatever generation you're in, to go watch this team today. It's a product. It's something I, I would want to spend my afternoon or evening. When you when you sort of lose that, and you get to the point where I'm going to send them one check at the beginning of the year, and they can do whatever they damn well please over the rest of the year, and they already got my money. There's there's a motivational difference I think on the part of management. It's sort of like you, John. I mean, I think it's very similar. You're going to buy, John's one of these guys that will buy like the symphony package. And somewhere during the course of the year, they're going to, they're going to give you the bait and switch on a few of them. Where if, that, if you were buying that particular night and you say, gee, Pavarotti's not, not playing, this guy Greg Pappas is playing, uh, I think I won't pay my 100 bucks tonight. You lose that, you lose essentially that power, I think, econ- on the economic side. And that's how these guys can pull it off. I mean, the people who have the skyboxes have them for political purposes to be able to invite people there to be big schmoes. There's that's nothing, the game. Yeah, yeah there's that's nothing to game. do with with who's on the field or where they win or lose. It's not about the performance. It's about and it's, which is advertising, which is a little strange in it's in some ways. But uh, I think if you took the corporate sponsorship off these things, uh, you'd have a real the, the world would be a lot different. Mm. I think. Well, I. 
you're right, Tom. I, I mean, I, I was at enough uh, opera performances that were billed long in advance as featuring Pavarotti as a specific example, and nobody knew, including me, that he wasn't going to perform until we're in our seats, and the management comes out and says, we've had a substitution in the cast. And this happened about five or six times in the 80s before Lyric Opera of Chicago finally fired Pavarotti. But there would be demonstrations in the audience um, after this announcement, and you had a lot of people just storming out of the theater, sw- cursing, swearing, booing the replacement tenor during the performance if they stayed. I mean, this was not good for business any way around. Um, and in, in you know, later years, all these you know, performing arts companies take great pains to make sure that here are the dates so-and-so is scheduled to sing, and if we've got an alternate cast, here are those dates. If you want to sign up for this package, go ahead. If you want to sign up for that package, go ahead. But you give people the option, if money is tight, to get what they think they're paying for. But the, the trouble now is that the people who are buying these package deals in professional sports don't care if, they, if they're a no-show. It's, it's, it's no money loss to them if they've got something better to do that day. They can give up their attendance and not feel like they lost anything. The average person doesn't have that kind of freedom. Well, that's that's true. I mean, I mean, if you had the tickets, I mean, I, I felt. I mean, I, that's why you will never, you'll never get me to do a, to have season tickets for like the Cubs or whoever because I had them for so long. And there were a couple of years where they they were rebuilding, and it was like, uh, really? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the league revenue is. I, I don't know. The league revenue is definitely higher. Yeah. Well, but I but I think you. I mean, all it has to do is happen to you once. I remember the one year. I mean, one of the world's great phone calls it was the year they had Ryan Dempster and all those guys. Like the the first, the, f- the first year that they decided they were going to rebuild or whatever. And it comes from, they pretty much sucked. People were hurt, and then all of a sudden they get everybody back. And they had a couple of really good weeks in in June. We actually felt like we wanted to watch these guys. All of a sudden everybody's gone. And in, and in September I got this huge stack of tickets. And nothing. If, if you have to give them away once you paid for them, and somebody wants them, you don't feel too bad. Matter of fact, you feel fine because that's why you got them. Because you give them away to some people if you need to, especially if you know if, if you've got a business. But when you can't even give them away, I don't care who you are, you feel like like a chump. I'm just saying. I, here's here's the 2010 revenue in the uh, NFL was about eight eight point three billion. In 2020, when nobody was there, it was about twelve point two. So take your guess on on what it is was twenty twenty one the year after, probably fifty percent higher. Well, not exactly, but they were seventeen point nine in wow. in uh, twenty twenty one. So from twenty ten from eight point three five to twenty twenty one, they more than doubled their uh, revenue. So that demand isn't falling off yet. Well, I mean, but I guess everything. What what is a a uh, huge recession. God, I hope we don't get one. What, what does that do to? I mean, what is what is what does somebody have to do to finally lose their hawk tickets or their, or their bear tickets? I mean, when do you? I mean, right now, I think you can still. But I know a couple guys that have them. Aside with the great unwashed, <laughs> we don't have the seat license. Uh, you know, for the for the for the crummy people like where I used to sit. Uh, they can still, especially if you have four of them. You can always. You can always get a big premium for the Packer game away or for the Packer game here because of people from Green Bay want to come down. Mm. So you can get if you're playing like the Giants, you'll get a New York. So if you sell, 
out of your eight game, well, yeah, well, eight or nine games, if you sell half of them, you probably can go for the other four for free. So you still got that, but there's still the demand on the one game, unless it's, you know, I mean, Detroit here is probably not a. I think you're eating that one, or you're going to that yeah. game. But uh, I guess it's, but it, but it's it is the dynamic of it is dramatic. But what is what is their risk? I mean, the league distributed. Three hundred and forty-seven point three million to each of its teams in twenty twenty-one. Well, the and that's that's the salary cap, pretty much. Salary cap is almost virtually equal to the the amount you get from all the, the national foot the national telecast places. Yeah. So the, the team revenue is so if you if you nudge up on your salary cap, uh, you the team profit is in the whatever you get out of the home gate, NFL the properties, local radio. So I'm going to say the Packers had an, an operating profit of close to 80 million. I think it was here. It is 77.7 million. I was going to I was going to say 80 million. Yeah. And but that 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 doesn't include having having your family members with the McCaskey on the payroll. <laughs> Even then. But I, I'm going to say the Bears have a better deal than the Packers. They only pay six million a year. What are the Packers? Uh, they have to maintain Lambeau. I, mean, I don't know what they're, they're. I bet their rents can't be cheaper in Soldier Field, six and a half mil. Yeah. I mean, that, when you consider your revenue is three forty, wouldn't a, wouldn't a a really nice restaurant be would be happy to pay, what, two percent for their, their rent? Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Hey, I got one for you, for you guys, and this may be more John, up John's alley, but uh, I, uh, I we for those who've been listening to the show like forever. Uh, the way back in the day, uh, Kathy Durbin used to get us some. Um, before she ended up with the COVID stuff, having to work all hours of the day and night, she used to get us some uh, pretty bizarre guests. Not bizarre, but very unusual and very interesting guests. I guess that means bizarre. And one of our guests was a, a guy who was a uh, <laughs> he was married to her sister's one of her sister's best buddies, and her best buddy and her sister were seriously in the music, and they would come out here for the. The full full four days of uh, Lollapalooza and the whole bit. They knew all these bands, right? And uh, anyway, so but th- this guy is, is this lady's husband, and he was a. And it's, well, I'm sure he still is. He's an attorney from Maryland, and uh, he had been on a couple of death penalty c- cases as an assistant. And most states, I don't know about Illinois, Jen. It's more of a question for you. You can't be on a, <coughs> a death penalty case essentially until you've been on it before. It's like you know. You can't have sex. You had sex before, or something, you know, something like that. Uh, as my uncle used to say, you shouldn't drive the Dan Ryan until you drove it before. I go, how the hell do you do that exactly? <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the and he came out and, and he was one of the guys that was representing people down in Guantanamo because some of the people down there had a potential of getting a death penalty. Um, and it was the most bizarre thing. The first time he talked about it was it every couple of months, Jed? They they would get in at seven thirty seven. The judges, all the attorneys, all the staff, all the court people, and they'd fly all the way down there, all on the same plane. And they'd land and they'd, you know, take the boat across the bay to Guantanamo Bay, hence the name Guantanamo, because the airstrip wasn't on the same side as the place. So you take the boat across. The first couple times he went down there, there wasn't even really any place to stay decent, no bar, the place was basically a bleep hole. And uh, well, after that, they did a lot of those containers. They turned containers into rooms, so they were all stacked up, and everybody had their own air conditioner. So he said, well, it actually wasn't too bad to stay in a container because you had at least had an air conditioner. It's hot as hell down there. And they put in a bar. But he says all they would do is they'd go down there and they'd, they'd arraign these people. They didn't try anybody. 
they had a pretty good idea who was guilty and who wasn't. And they all turn around, get on a plane, <clears throat> come home. But there was never anybody wanting to go out on a political limb to say, even though we know this guy's innocent, why can't we try it? Why can't we just let him go, let him come in the U.S.? Or why, if the guy is up for trial, why he, you know, why we can't have the trial in the U.S.? Because down here the trials are kind of weird. There's, there's really not much of a place to have one. And uh, but <clears throat> politically, everybody's put it off, put it off, put it off. It was Bush, it was Obama, you name it. There has been a president that has had the stones to straighten this out. Trump, uh, you know, everybody says how you know how, how ballsy he is, bull bleep. Uh, he didn't do it, <clears throat> and now this guy's not doing it. Well, this week they finally let some guy out who's been there 17 years. 70 years old, he's never charged. Well, the last time this guy was on the on the show, he's, he said, well, you know, they're down, they're down to, you know, Matty Weber, maybe he'll find it, we'll play a little piece of it on Thursday. Yeah, 36. Uh, down to, His last time, they were down to 45, I think, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And he goes, okay, f- 15 of them we think actually might be guys that if we actually did try them, you know, we, we could like, hang them. Uh, he goes, there's 15 that are marginally involved, and there's just like 15 that we know had nothing to do with anything. They just happened to be on the wrong, wrong block. They were never listed on Interpol. They were never FBI, CIA. Nobody had any wind that these guys are bad guys. And they actually don't seem like bad guys, but they're there. And I said, I said, well, but their country either doesn't want them back because their country is a mess, or the leadership has changed, and they're as bad as we are, and I want anybody back, or their village has been destroyed or something. And nobody wanted any of these people here. Like if there's not 15 innocent people, we couldn't we couldn't find room for them in the U.S. Just saying. So he goes. <clears throat> yeah, I said, well, I remember my questions, my stupid questions. I go, well, do they like work around the place and at least get paid and have a job? He goes, no, there's no jobs. I said, well, where do they stay? He goes, in their cell. Well, do they lock the cell? Oh yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. They they know they had nothing to do with anything, and still they're there every night in a cell locked. Yeah. I mean, this this is our America. I mean, what is, what is wrong with us? Do you remember, Tom, when that was first instituted? Um, I remember thinking, if they can do this to, to any kind of political opponent, they could do pretty much anything. The whole idea of you know, putting somebody offshore out of public scrutiny, out of the news, pretty much, it, it smacks of, of you know, what ancient regimes used to do. You, you take them off someplace where nobody could see what was going on and, and beat the daylights out of them or do you know, murder them or anything else. And who was ever to say how it had happened or what had happened or if it had happened when you've got somebody offshore and in Guantanamo, of all places. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to me, it's not, well, this is, this is the slippery slope that you know, nobody ever thought could happen. And... Boy, you know, it's just been kind of institutionalized now in a way that I never would have foreseen, where it just seems as normal as, you know, due process. Well, it's <laughs> normal for know, Iran. We, it we lost be... a lot when that, when that was even broached as a possibility, and now, of course, it's just become a, a creaky old piece of machinery like everything else, and how are you going to change it? Who wants to change it? Apparently nobody. Well, uh, I mean, as, as, as grumpy as... Uh Sometimes I sound, which I think I do, um, unfortunately. Um, I really do believe in that the America is the hope of the world, and and I uh, I've, I've heard people on TV, and I've actually had discussions with people over maybe adult beverages, which you shouldn't do, um, where people would say, and I'd say, you know, what about these people in Guantanamo? Are you ever going to try them? And people would actually say, and uh, or <coughs> people that 
you know, or come across the border or something, and I don't know, you know, I've, since I've never been down there, I really have no idea what the situation is or isn't or should be down there. Um, I only do you get it from both sides, and I don't know if I've, I've ever read anything that appeared to me to be all inclusive of what's actually going on down there. But I've actually heard people say that unless you're a U.S. citizen, these rights don't belong to you. And I, you know. Do you remember when they wanted to transfer them here? Uh, yeah. I think for yeah. for a while Obama talked about them <laughs> them coming to the uh, Thompson Center or the the jail that's down the street, and, and a lot of the people there were uh, <laughs> they they said no we want to stay here. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, they probably do, but but I'm saying how do people forget? I mean, we have this Constitution is that it's a, a uh, obviously a tre- tremendous document, but the uh, the thing I, I've always thought that was the heart and soul of this country is the Declaration of Independence. I mean, and I'm, I'm going to read part of it here, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, and among those, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So where does it say in here, when we, <clears throat> we're we now citizens of Britain, where does it say that it, in there where it, that it's, uh, it says here that to secure these rights, governments, plural, are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Where does it say in there that only if you're a citizen does, it, does that apply to you? When we didn't even have a country. Well, I guess, guess it's in the we, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's presumed that if, if we who are the signatories of this and who are subject to the injustices that this thing addresses um, deserve protections... Uh, that require us to... But it says... But you see, they screwed yeah. up, though, John. They put the word uh, all men. They didn't say men that we care about. Right, and they, they had to do that, I think, in order to... Wait a second. Uh, all leaving men. it up to the, you know, residents in yeah. other, you know, colonies, because we were certainly weren't the only colonies England had. Um, if, if you feel like you're similarly wronged, it's up to you to do this, but we feel we have the claim to institute a territorial place different from Britain with a new set of laws and to reject our nationality in favor of one that we were going to fashion ourselves. I think it was very specifically designed to mean that it was people here only that were doing this. Uh, no, see, now, Jan's an attorney. How many, here, here fa- how many fat men. people can dance on the head of a pen, o- Mr. Attorney? Only men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is, is it possible... Is that you? Well, we, we, we would wait for the UN, you know, to do the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, you know, in the 1940s, to try to maybe accomplish what we thought everybody in the world should be entitled to. But no way did we think that we were making everybody in the world entitled to the protections we were seeking. How do I? That, but was, that's, that was not. But that's not what it says. But it, but it had to do that in order to show that the similarity of these people here with people situated everywhere. But we are the ones doing something about it. We're not claiming that everybody else is going to be governed by us now at all. Is there, I sure hope not. Is there anything that's, is, that's as plain as can be? Would an attorney argue against the Ten Commandments that that's not what God said? Elsewhere, oh, though, the references to the, the colonies that were the signatories to this thing and also to the Constitution. We did not intend to bring in Jamaica or Nevis or India or anything else in the process. I, I understand we that. We but would have gone about it very differently if that was our intention. But we, n- we never said that, by the way, if you're outside the borders, scratch you from all. 
I think we did do that. In the first couple sentences, they say just the thirteen, the thirteen yeah. United States. Um, well, they they should have. I'm, I'm saying they, they could have never gotten anywhere, Tom, if they had made it more diffuse than that. Certainly, they would have, they wouldn't have gotten anything for the thirteen colonies, let alone every other colony that thought they could be. So it's, it's your position that instead of all, they mean the the, the all the all the people we care about, and everybody else can go go fly. Well, that's that's, that's the way it has to be. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we the thirteen. We don't want to fight for everybody. They yet to be born. Unless they have a pretty good idea of who they are and whether they really, you know, are on the same wavelength as they are. So okay, I, I nobody was that presumptive in the 18th century that we are speaking for everybody here, and maybe they don't know we exist, but we we want them under our control now. That that was ne- never right. So the, the situation they people were in. we don't like don't have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, the people here did. They they asserted that. You know, and it was up to everybody else who felt that they didn't have it to assert it too. Well, you but, see, you know. It, believe me, it's, it's got to be the, the situation where you get the people behind you who will fight for you. And I don't think we had that kind of uh, idea about anybody else in the world but the people in the third Right, so y- your position is... not everybody is here either. Your it, was a, it was a real sales job to get the people here to go along with it. Right, you, so your position is that the 70-year-old the guy that's been sitting there 17 years without charging and we knew he was innocent has, has no right to be to life, liberty, and the pursuit of him. We certainly took it away from him. Well, we, we put them under our criminal justice system, but we did it in a way that made it look like they weren't even in the United States at all, which, to me, was what smelled about it. And that once we could use that as a fiction, that these people are held offshore, they're not subject to our rights. We've, we've arrested them, and we're imprisoning them, but they, but they don't have any rights. Yeah, they were in but Mexican space. That was the, the, the problem, yeah. I, I felt. It wasn't that all of a sudden now these people have all the rights that we have here as citizens. Well, if if they don't have those rights, then why are we imprisoning them at all? We just just shoot them. I mean, you, you deport them, you get rid of them if you don't want them, but you don't. You know, well, we're the one who brought them here. We want to try them. Well, that too. All all this, we're on the same page, Tom. That they, they, this was totally against any kind of reading of any document. You know, bestowing or withholding rights to do this kind of stuff. And now everybody just seems to think that, well, you know, I guess it's still happening. That's okay, too. It was never okay. But but the, the flip side of it was not all of a sudden these people have all the rights that everybody who's a citizen has, too. That, that can't be the case. Well, I... I but, but if, we're, if we're I, I'm with, with you. I, mean, I, mean, I understand that. Yeah. But but anyway, we, we got to go to break here. But I, I, you could have knocked me over for, with a feather yesterday when I heard about... The two guys who killed Malcolm X never killed him, and they let they let him out of jail. Mm. Yeah, well, there's, I, I had there's no probably idea. the nation of Islam behind that. There's a reason why you know, nobody has ever really paid a price for that shooting. So, yeah. well, how did these two guys end up in jail? Well, they were. Well, I, they were I know nothing about this. Who saw this happen? But they were arrested. But you know, nothing. It's kind of like you know, all sorts of, of assassinations, crimes like this, where the people go free, or that you know, there's the patsies or somebody else. And the crime is never officially solved. I mean, every political assassination in this country really falls into that category, I think. Did we ever get the right person? Were we ever interested in finding the right person? And they also person? got paid so. 36 or $40 million. Ah, uh, is that enough? <laughs> How many years? Uh, $36 million. So you, you go to jail for 25, 30 years for $30 million bucks. I don't know, but they're settling. And did they throw out the case, or what? Did, did they exonerate them, or did they just say? We'll find out more details on the break. But what do you like, Mike Tyson, three hots and a cot? Well, you know, it'll, it'll be negotiated. Maybe some of these 
I mean, how could you? What kind of a good deal could you get out of some kind of crime like this to somebody's freedom? Uh, I don't know what what the dollar amount would be, but it's negotiable. Well, certainly. Well, plus you you stop looking for the guy who really did it. Right. Right. Which is even more bizarre. Yeah. That's <laughs> God. That's a bigger story. S&P Futures down 17, the S&P's down 68. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3450. Five six. That's seven zero eight three four nine three four five six. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. I'm a businessman. Blood is a big expense. Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. Which one of our contributors do you think was made in the lab? Just saying. <laughs> S&P Futures down 19, the S&P Futures down 73. We don't care, though, because we're up so much on Friday and this month that uh, beautiful, even if, if we get a little down day today, I don't think we're going to be too concerned about it because we're celebrating the market uh, this month. What uh, The uh, GDP came in uh, positive on Friday or Thursday, whatever it was, and the deflator was down. I tell you what, I was, was doing some shopping this weekend, and I am, I am, I still stand by my uh, my story 
guys, that the, uh, the the actual push to the inflation, the money supply increase has dropped to where it's not pushing, but it's still working its way through the system. I get the text of my significant other as I'm at the store yesterday, and uh, she goes, hey, I need some potting soil. And I, uh, you know, I, I have this kind of a, a south side affinity, or not affinity, of like buying dirt, so... So I head over and I get this little bag of potting soil. I mean, I don't know how big it was, but I, mean, I could easily pick it up with two fingers. So I'm going to say eight pounds, ten pounds maybe. Ten bucks for dirt. Oh, wow. I'm like, what, what are we doing here? That's the scariest thing on this day. Yeah, I'm going to say, I mean, what, what are we... I, don't, I can't yeah, even... The dirt's worth something. The sand's worth something. Yeah. The, the distribution system, how many you know, how many gallons of diesel it took to get the thing there. But mm. I mean, you, you, walk, you go through the store and you just see stuff... Uh, once in a while, when I cook for the office, they have those uh, uh, instant potatoes. You know, they're not bad if you doctor them up, but uh, they're, they're, they've been a, a buck a, a, a thing for years. One twenty. Uh, well, they were now one twenty nine on sale for one nineteen. Ooh. They're on sale twenty cents, twenty percent higher than they were six months ago. Yeah. That's the that's the gig now. They're on sale, but if you don't remember what you paid for it, you you, you think you're, you're you're getting a saving deal. money. Huh? Yeah, you're saving money. It's like I don't. Uh, I made some of those two days ago with ribs. Ooh. Yeah, they're not bad. You know, put some. Uh, I'm talking recipes like a bunch of old babes. <laughs> uh, you know, throw some corn or something in there, it, it, or some cheese, and it, you can doctor it up pretty good. Butter. Well, oh, you, well, you got to do butter, sure. Butter. <laughs> oh god. Well, get, speaking of butter, my uh, brother had the best butter last night. We got a bunch of heavy. He had some heavy whipping cream. He was making something, so he just put the last ten ounces in a jar, and everybody took turns shaking until it was butter. Guy was that good. You just make your homemade butter like that? I've never done that. That sounds good. Yeah. Well, you can you know you can use a mixing mixing thing if you want, but uh, you just if you want to put a little salt in, you can. You don't have to. Or you put whatever in there to spice it, and it's delicious. That's real butter. Just you know, just saying. As an oil well, person, I yeah, I'm well, you know, a little jealous. A little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't get soybean butter. No, you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get a cow to get you some butter for God's sake. Tofu butter. Yeah. Well, I, was, <laughs> I was talking about being Mediterranean. Oh yeah. Well, you know, we're oil people rather. Ah yeah. Well, butter. I guess uh, one of the best things you can eat. Now I read somewhere. Of course, you get these lists all over the place. Is butter from grass-fed cows actually very good for you? Hmm. Which I, you know, who yeah. knows? But uh, so, so what do you what do you make of it? We have this market flying up. We uh, we're we're anxious to get. Uh, the, I mean, the Democrats. Or who's ever in office, doesn't matter who it is. I mean, Trump was the worst at saying the market's up, so I must be doing a good job. Uh, then when it went down, he didn't. Then it was somebody else's fault. But that, you know, that's just most the way most politicians are. Not even him. Uh, but now we have this running up, and you have all the, the the Republicans are part of their shtick is look what Biden's done to your four hundred one k, you know. And uh, it, it is, I, I, it, it's amazing to me if you listen to Democrats, they have. The three, four points. They must. They must go to these. Uh, what do they call those things? I used to go to them. Uh, focus groups. Focus groups. Yeah. When they. Uh, did you ever go to any of those things? You used oh, to yeah. go to focus. Yeah. Yeah, those things are. Those things were rant. Doctor Jay and I used to go. Why? Right, we were. We were living down south. I, mean, I had a house. John was renting a place. We had like four guys living in this big, huge house in Beverly. And uh, Robin had a friend uh, who was used to set up these focus groups. So we'd get a call at like five o'clock. Two people aren't going to show. Get hundred bucks a piece. Be there at six thirty. You're out at eight. And uh, so we we'd go, get our hundred bucks, and head off for dinner and a couple of drinks. <laughs> and if fifty bucks left, we're happy as a clam. <laughs> oh yeah, paid in cash. Yeah. 
You know, but it's it, and, the, and the people were absolutely a show. What they would say about stuff. What the one? I'll digress here for a second. What the one was about sports cars. So they talked about uh, when you see was a uh, this is before people were well these guys will never be politically correct. Uh, what do you think of uh, if you see a blonde in a Mercedes convertible? Because the thing was about convertibles. And the guy goes, ah, she's a hooker. Either either that or she like married money or something. <laughs> like <laughs> she couldn't possibly have paid for it. But okay, then what about like if it's a Mustang convertible? Ah, it's probably hers. If she probably paid for it, it's probably. You know, it's like, but people, it's amazing. I don't, I don't even know what the story was, but it had to do with convertibles and and your your feelings toward people who owned them and what and what they looked like. It was I don't know what company it was for, but. Because they never really told you the company. They, did, they, they wouldn't tell you. And often, you know, the questions would mislead you into thinking yeah. this must be a, a focus group about XYZ. But, you know, it was pretty hard to determine. It was really about ABC, which was, you know, somewhere else in this food chain. Um, and they they were luring you in for information that, you know, gave them what they wanted. But you weren't even aware in some cases you were giving information about this as opposed to something else. So. Well, and if you listen to the political ads, it just seems... Right, like it's, uh, it's, they're very much driven by, by the same people, and you can see it sometimes in these little small town, you know, like chats where you have some media figure talking to ten people. You see it on sixty minutes sometimes. Yeah, other news programs too. Those are, are focus groups that will have less subterfuge about them, maybe, but it's designed to kind of see what what are the kind of knee jerk responses right out of the box by people if you bring up this subject to get a sense of what kind of ad campaign are we going to use, what do we downplay, what do we overplay in the product. Um, that's very shrewd, and, you know, but you know, when it comes to political issues, which it clearly has, um, you can see it in, in kind of tyrannical form because it's just the same you know, lopsided stuff, the same phraseology over and over and over again that some focus group somewhere told them this is you what sells the, the product. Fear or so the you greed. get threats to democracy ad nauseum and that kind of stuff. Threats to a woman's you know right to choose, control her life. These are the buzzword issues. They get framed in the most idiotic way sometimes. Well, the one, uh, <laughs> the one, the two two representatives are running in Illinois. These are d- Democratic guys, and he. Uh, <clears throat> but I think they re- what it really tells you is if this is if this is a slice of America. <coughs> and I'll quote <coughs> Mr. Pappas. Uh, does everybody have an IQ of a grapefruit? I mean, <laughs> the the uh, isn't that what Ditka said about Dexter Manley <laughs> when he when he dumped when he slammed uh, McMahon down at one time? Something like that. Yeah, yeah something like that. And uh, anyway, but uh, the, the Democratic thing—they had three or four guys in a row. Did they did they think we're so stupid? We can't pick up on the exact same four buzzwords. It's we're fighting against prescription drug increases. We're fighting against them, even though we took money from the guys. Uh, it's it's women's right to choose. What the hell are the other two? There's, there's two more that the Democrats have that they're, that they're pushing. I think the underlying is always either fear or greed. They're going to hit one of those two, and that's going to move uh, move the independent or whatever just that little bit to the other side. Well, they're, they're fighting for uh, uh, something was uh, whatever, it, oh, it, equality and something, something else, and fighting for better education. So those are the four like things they're fighting for. But the weird part is they, they assume... That the person listening, if, if the guy running is like he's running for metropolitan sanitary district, the dude has nothing to do with women's rights. He has nothing to do with with fighting for the 
against Pfizer, but they don't even care. I mean, I mean, Alexei Janulius has the same four points, and he's going all he's going to be doing is controlling a bunch of people handing out licenses. It's the DMV. Yeah, it's somebody else. So I mean, and then the Republicans, they're they're the same way. Is it when every single president has done nothing but up the the deficit by a factor of two since they've been in there? Every other party, if you run against the Republican. You're gonna you're gonna corral spending because they're spending too much. And now the Republicans are, we're, we're running against the Democrats because they're spending too much. They spent just as much. But but it, it is it is, you, you can write this stuff. I mean, do they do they really think people are that dumb or they're they just too sun-kissed. busy or what? We're all sun kissed, Chief. It's because <laughs> that's what Ditka said about Manly. Yeah, sun kissed because they're the IQ of a grapefruit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, it, it shows these, these politicians are building careers too, Tom. I mean. If, Somebody running for the Metropolitan you know, Water Reclamation District talks about being pro-choice. Um, it isn't because they need that you know, position for anything they're going to do in this job they're getting elected to, but they will use it the next time they're on the ballot, maybe for another job, and they've already firmly implanted themselves in, in the public's imagination, at least they think they have, um, that they're in this political camp. And People see that, well, we, we want an arsenal of those people to draw from the next time. You know, we've got a, a slating to be done for the party. And if you're in that group, we don't care what job you're asking to do. We don't even care if you're qualified to do it. But we care about your political stripes and your allegiances, and that's what really counts here. This is c- completely wacky to me, but you know, it does sell. So. But who does, who does the uh, official focus groups? Is it, is it the... The Illinois Democratic Committee, the Illinois Republican yeah, the, Committee, the party, you know, or interest groups. You know, it could be a union or you know, a fraternal organization or a trade organization or anything else um, that has some political leanings to it, and they want to see, gauge the depth of this. And they, you know, they can report on what our rank and file think about this. And here's how strongly they feel, and they're feeling more strongly now than they did you know, the last time we took this poll with them. Um, so this kind of surveying is, you know, done by lots of, you know, agencies and entities, uh, and it's probably all used by, you know, the, the same agencies over and over again. So they have a steady feed to this stuff. But yeah, it's, um, you know, I think it's it's become it, it's though it, it, in the process so homogenized, and it's the buzzword issues are the only ones that matter anymore, and the, the buzzwords themselves, and then then you lose all nuance and all thinking. Because all you're looking at is to get people to say these particular things about this particular person or whatever, and mission accomplished. It's, it's the worst kind of rhetorical arm twisting possible, I think. Well, when you when I shift a little bit, not that we weren't on the topic, but when you, uh, well, for somebody who was chairman of the marketing committee at the CBO for four years, and you know, I had some really good people that were working there in the marketing department, not me. I was just a member uh, of the committee. Oh, chairman of the member committee, but uh, I remember Chuck Henry, one of the nicest men. He was the, the president of a CBOE and a terrific guy. He said to me one day, "You know, Tom, I know I'm wasting half my marketing money. I just don't know which half." <laughs> which, which is true. I mean, you, it's it's really hard to try and figure out. I mean, you know, United Center. I I, I challenge anybody that had a marketing at United to tell me how much he actually, whether that was worth it or not. I mean, I, whether or not you actually got that amount of PR or that amount of marketing. Well, you do find out that there's a difference between marketing and PR. I mean, I'm not going to go into that, but there, there definitely is a huge, and that, that is not really marketing, it's PR. But I, mean, I understand on, a, on an economic level, the three of us decide to put up a restaurant 
and uh, you know the, the the piece of property has uh, this this kind of uh, zoning regarding it, and we want another 10 feet, which equates to Greg goes was better than me, you know, 15 more tables or 10 more tables. It's going to be worth X amount us per year, and we if we pay off the alderman if it's worth 20 grand a year to us, we can pay the alderman off 10 for the variance. It's a good deal. We know we know exactly what we're paying for and what we're and what we're trying to get out of it. Or if we get a we get an extra story on the building or two less parking places, whatever that whatever the hell it is, it's pretty easy to quantify whether you it's worth it for you or not. I mean, right, Greg and Jamie? I, mean, I, I think I'm right on that right. one. But when you start doing stuff like the Bitcoin people giving million dollars to Jesse Jackson's kid, I mean, how, how do you ever how do you ever figure out you know whether that's worth it? Unless you can get the kid on the you know, uh, whatever the tech, whatever the committee in Congress would be that does that stuff that regulates Bitcoin, possibly, or I, mean, I don't even know. It seems like it's you're really pissing. But I, I really might ask you, Jan, is all this money people pour into these judges? Like, I mean, if, if I give, if I had, if I was Daddy Warbucks and I gave the two people that are run for appellate court judge, if I give a judge half a million bucks, do I think I'm going to be a crook and get in front of the appellate court at some point and she's going to be my person, he or she? I mean. What am I? What am I even doing? Am I, am I just? Am I hoping that the judges talk to each other? And since I gave five of them money, all the rest of them are going to help their buddies out. I mean, do they know I'm a contributor to the stuff? And if they're nice to me, they'll get money. And I mean, what, what what am I getting? And what do they think? What do they owe me? I I, I, just, I honestly cannot figure it out. It's, it's a problem with the credibility of the judiciary these days, too, Tom. Um, if you give a huge contribution like that to somebody, and of course it has to be disclosed in your financial disclosure forms, no question about that. But clearly there is a quid pro quo situation. How could there not be? But what? But do I do I do I hope to get arrested so I get my money's worth? Well, no. But you've got people who are, you know, I, I hate to you know accuse any particular judge, let alone judges generically, of doing stuff like this. But you have to presume it happens that if you've got backing to have this this job sitting on the appellate court at all because of so-and-so's money, then you know already a lot about so-and-so's sphere of influence, so-and-so's family, so-and-so's history in politics, which may involve other judges, you know, sitting today or, or who have sat in these positions in the past. You know a lot about how far this influence extends out and in what direction. And uh, you know, this, to, uh, to even be saying these things in public makes me very nervous just because I, I think one of the last passions we have in this country is to trust the judiciary when our legislatures, you know, go south and are completely corrupted and our executives are, you know, barely with it on most days. The, the judiciary should be the, the, the resort you can really count on. And I can't anymore for this reason because i I got to believe anybody who's slated as a judge... Um, you know, by a party, particularly the Democratic Party in this state, has already been through a kind of vetting process that has nothing to do with judicial qualifications, but it's about loyalty, meaning loyalty to the people who you're going to be judging. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, not putting them in a situation where, you know, they pay more or pay at all in some cases. I, I found a really good podcast the other day from WBEZ some years ago where Ira Glass, who does that This American Life program on American Public Radio, and he, he interviewed Abdon Talish, who used to write for the Sun-Times and covered judicial races. Um, and it was, I think, from 2011, and I'll, if I can get the link to it, I'll pass it around to people, but it, was, it, it bears listening to. 
quotes one party official in there saying, um, if somebody is 99% loyal to the party, what do you call that? And the response is disloyal. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be slated for this job, it's already been decided. We know who you are. We want you for the reasons that maybe we only have to account to each other for. And if you don't have these qualifications, there's no way you're, you're going to be slated. It has nothing to do with your acumen, your writing ability, your grades in law school, the, the re reputation you have in the legal community, how successful you've been in court. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's about how loyal you are to the interests that are likely to appear before you. Now, wh what kind of judicial system is that, really? <laughs> well, I think it, the question, I think the, 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 the premier question, John, if I was got me teaching a law school classes can a bunch of p people that are compromised actually pick somebody else to be independent I don't think it's possible no no it's, it's, it's I would say it's it's theoretically impossible yeah I mean I, when you listen to the people on I mean I you know I, I'm sure if I met him I'd really like him as Steve Leisman and he, he's still he, his party line is that the Fed is independent I mean Steve what are you in fourth grade don't the presidents pick the appellate judges though uh, appellate for for the Fed, not for uh, yeah, Illinois. They're elected here. They're elected here. So right, you, but well, you've seen commercials of the appellate court. What's the one lady running against the guy? Uh, she got the Irish name, and he's Mary something. Yeah, uh, they, they they got her pinned as a Madigan clone, and then he's you know and he's and he's all all pure, and then and then she says something bad about him, and he's not pure either. It's like, you know, but I mean, plus to the very no matter what happens. You've got a judge in there that the other person has said a bunch of nasty things to everybody about, which doesn't exactly make you feel warm to start with, does it? No, I mean, if this is supposed, to, if justice is blind, um, you assume it's it's deaf too. <laughs> I'm not listening to any of this stuff. But if if, you, they, if judges are being swayed by this, then what what possibility do you have of a fair, impartial decision making process? Well, I mean, look at the Fed. The Fed. Uh, Chairman Powell and the governors. I'm not talking about the ones elected by the the banks and the districts, which is even more bizarre. Uh, but the the regular governors that are appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. How do people uh, making you know the Senate now is not just making their Senate salary. Every one of them's getting their pocket stuffed. It appears, which makes me you know no matter who they are, I, I just I just feel like I, I couldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. Uh, and how how do they pick an independent person? Making 150 a year, or whatever the hell the governor makes, they make less than half the, half the people that work there. Say 200. Uh, say how, they're going to pick that guy for that job, and he's going to be independent. I mean, give me a break. No, and even, even assuming you had a, a diversity of opinion among the judges, where this person you know is lead more to this direction and somebody else to that direction, when it comes to selecting the judge to hear a case on the federal level, I mean that is process is yeah. totally corrupted. I mean, it's, it's almost laughable. But the same people get the same cases and over and over again, you get the same results. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. It, 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 no matter if you had impartial judges that could hear these cases, these cases, the person or the process that selects particular judges to hear them has already d determined the outcome. So what, what, where's the fairness of that, too? Well, but even, even if, once you start running for it, I mean, say, you know, that uh, I remember the two guys, uh, Marty Russo, who was the other guy, Jan, the other Southside uh, rep, they both were two Italian guys, Italian-American guys, that uh, that were they were best friends. Who was the guy, was Marty Russo, who was the guy from the other district over by you? Was it, was it Lozenka? No, no, uh, God. Anybody, 
they were two best friends and we, when we lost the legislative district they ended up running against each other and I, I, let's just say if they're both still alive I don't think they're best friends today because <laughs> they sure weren't after the election uh, but I mean suppose suppose I run against Greg or, or you or you run against Greg we keep you two guys so that's anything bad about me I mean, you, you, you run against Greg and, and you guys are running as, for a judge well first of all you, you want your judge to be above reproach you know, so all of a sudden you start picking up. Geez, this guy works in his restaurant, and the last time I was there, I had a, I had a bump piece of chicken. This guy sucks. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden he comes back at you. I see this guy running around the neighborhood, like taking pictures of women. And all of a sudden, either one of you, you don't want either one of you as a judge. And you're because half the stuff you say about the other person is probably wrong anyway. But now you're sitting there, going, I really want either one of those two guys a judge. You know, one guy. <laughs> One guy's screwing some guy in a restaurant. The other guy's running around the neighborhood taking pictures of people through their window. Or as a drone. It's, I mean, but it's, once you start taking saying bad crap about somebody, do you want either one of them as a judge? No. And, and the, the, the selection process really has boiled down to, in recent years, at least for elected judges you know, in this state, you know, your ethnicity and your gender. And, you know, race slash ethnicity and your gender. And you know, if, you, if you are the right, you know, Picking the right box in whichever column for this particular race, we don't really care, nor are we supposed to care what kind of judge you're going to be. These are the only qualifications that really matter. It's the it's the kind of you know superficial approach to affirmative action or you know job promotions or anything else based on things that have nothing to do with the person's thinking power or fairness or ethics or morals or whatever. It's just about the, the stuff they had no control over from gestation, and this is what we want, and this is supposed to instill confidence in our population. And it, it, it really shows that we've kind of reached the, the last point where if you have a gripe against somebody, against the government, against somebody more powerful than you are, you thought that the courts were the, the place where everybody was sort of on, on a level playing field. And, and boy, when, when was that proved to be a fiction? Probably 200 years ago. But people have clung to it anyway. There's the hope that you know you can you get your day in court and, and up to the highest court in the land, and this is how you know things are determined to be unfair for so many years, and all of a sudden we've seen the light, and the smallest, most idiotic claim can ripen into some kind of hallowed you know personal right that is enshrined from hereafter. You know, I, I just I, I wish you know we had some of that left, but I don't feel that way anymore. I think that the, the courts are just as dirty and as corrupted as controlled as everything else and how, why would it be otherwise and by the way it isn't just because it's, we've got elected judges here if you have appointed judges I think it's worse Can well, I ask I mean, a question? Sure. Quick? Right, so, wait, wait. so in the federal process it's different than the, the state obviously what's the reasoning behind having the state being elected and the federal being uh, being appointed why, why isn't it uniform across those? Why wouldn't the well, governor... If, if there are appointments for life, you know, like in the Supreme Court, um, they're, not, they're not term limited in any way. There's no term. It's, it's your lifespan. So that's un unless, you uncorruptible, know, you're right? Unless you're removed for, you know, incompetence or a blatant, you know, blatantly crooked pattern of behavior or illness or something else. But uh, the, the idea is that there should be a, a rotation of this in the states or jurisdictions with elected judges, that this keeps, you know, the judiciary younger, you know, it keeps people more connected to what's going on. And that is true to some extent, but it also, you know, feeds into political machinery and, you know, enshrined, you know, interest groups that get farther and farther away from the people who are really depending on them for a just re re result here. 
but you know, I, I think overall, I'd rather you know the Supreme Court have age limitations, you know, and stricter ones than, than seem to be operating now. I wouldn't want all judges to be appointed by any means. Um, I would like to be there to be more investigation of who these people are that are asking for votes and have more than just the bar associations doing the rating. Why would you trust the bar associations? Uh, and there's, there's hundreds of these, you know, just in Illinois. Are there elected are, federal are, you know, Members are, are looking no. at it from one angle, the, the, the two-headed, you know, Puerto Rican lesbian, short-haired interest group. It's just if weird you, to if me. If you float our boat, we'll endorse you. Well, what does that endorsement really mean to anybody who's not in that group? Not much. But you've got all these groups, including the American Bar Association and the Chicago Bar Association, that aren't really any better. They're just looking at it from the standpoint of who's got clout here. And yeah, they're, uh, like kind of clout. So. Are U.S. A US uh, appellate court judges at life? I think so. Maybe it is too. It's a long time. Why, why is it such? I just don't get it that there are no federal judges that are elected, and all of a sudden the states... Well, the idea is that, that once you're appointed and it's a lifetime term, that even if you were kind of if you if you had to scratch somebody's back to get in there, ten years later the guy might be dead, or five years later, and over a period of time you're, you're beholden to nobody. I mean, that's that's right. the theory. And this was constitutionally, you know, is this, the, the judges who were appointed to the, the federal level are under under the Constitution in a way that the states never had to worry about. The states were given great freedom to create their judicial districts, the judicial systems, the process, you know, the appeal process and so on, um, just like in their elections for all public offices, the, the, the judiciary in, in the states were given, you know, the people were given great freedom to pick what kind of judges, how many court systems they wanted, how unified it was, but the, the, the federal judges were constitutionally created with, you know, a, an outlook towards stability and longevity of decisions and so on. So they, they had a very different outlook from what any state would have had or, or any county when it came to their, to their judicial practices. Yeah, it, was so all it was a philosophical difference from the get-go, really. Very interesting. We got a date, but it was all part of, uh, I guess I could lob this one out there real quick because we got to go, is that representatives were two years, you know, they were, you know, the instant mood change. Your president is four years, not as much interest, uh, uh, you know, and then a Senate six, and a, and a judge should be f- is f- like forever. But then again, in those days, if you put somebody on there who was fifty, he probably croaked when he was before he was sixty. Well, now we put somebody on forty-five, he might be there for fifty years. And I don't know if that was intended either in the Constitution. Although life is life, but nobody lived that long. And so you I mean you can always question all of it, can't you, John? Considering how things have oh, changed, but yeah, the, the life expectancies alone, yeah, that none of these things were really thinkable. Anybody 200 years ago. Um, take care, guys. Good stuff. Uh, Jan, I'll talk to you later in the week. Great. I'll, I'll see you. SP Futures are down 22. NASDAQ Futures down 80. Be right back. Uh, Miss Audrey Johnson. We're going to talk a little bit. Jan, we're going to talk, uh, talk about it on this week with Carl as well. How, what kind of. Uh, I don't uh, see a whole lot of inroads here in Chicago by like these big firms buying up all these properties. Audrey will know better than us, but he claims Tennessee. It's a real. It's an issue. We talked to him on Friday about it, so maybe you and I can kick around a little bit on yeah. Thursday. I'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks.
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading options ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, well, we're back, Stocks and Jocks. I'm tomorrow. Matt Burn on the board. SP Futures down 23 now. Nasdaq Futures down 84. We're leaking a little, but again, we're up so much last week and so much on the month that I don't. It's a little bit of a blip, I guess, at least so far. Uh, down on 162, but we can be down like 2,000 today. It's still a pretty good month, scary as it may seem. Uh, Europe up, uh, DAX up 16, a little less than it was, 0.1%. Uh, FTSE up 12.2%. Kek around down 15.2%, so very muted, muted over there. Uh, Nikkei up 482, 1.8. Uh, Shanghai down 22.8%. Hang Seng down 176, 1.2%. In the mid 14,000s. And the, the story over there, and this is this is creepy to me, is they closed down Disney for COVID concerns in China, mm. but they didn't close it down and not let people in. They won't let the people out. 
I, you can I, go in, but you can't come out. Yeah, like Ooh. what did the, the Disney's become? The Roach Hotel. <laughs> it's it's really like the Bates Motel, more like oh, yeah. yeah. And bonds, ten year up five basis points, four point zero six, so back up over four. Uh, Bund up three, two point one two. Japan unchanged at point two five. Say that every day, unchanged at point two five. Mm. Oil down to one sixty seven, eighty six twenty three. The because uh, uh, I mean everybody's worried about the the, the COVID cuts over there. Some reason I'm not getting my uh, R Bob and stuff. We can live without it. Uh, gold, uh, I'm not getting that either. But I do have the. I don't know why. I'm, oh, there we go. Gold is down 250, 1642. Silver down a penny, 1913. Back over 19. Copper down five cents, 337. Uh, we've got the U.S. dollar is uh, the euro is down 43. So back under 99 cents to the dollar, and we have the pound down almost almost a percent. So down to 1.15, it made it back to 1.17, and if we forgot to do the uh, crypto. Uh, that's not coming up. My, my CNBC feed here is a little weak. Huh. Anyway, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Well, good morning and happy Halloween. It is currently 7.37 on Monday, October 31st, 2022. Traffic in Chicago, not too spooky this morning, though you may want to keep your eyes on the road because there is a dense fog advisory for Chicago this morning, in effect for Cook County and other Illinois counties to the southwest. Advisory expires at 10 a.m. this morning. I hate to be the bearer of bad news this Halloween, but today we're looking at the likelihood of rain this afternoon in the city with a possibility of precipitation into the evening. Keep that raincoat handy for your kids, though, because trick-or-treats only come once a year. Downtown, we're currently at 54 degrees. Today, expect a high of 60 and a low of 47. In Phoenix, clear skies throughout the day. A high of 83, a low of 55, and currently temperatures are at 55. Game 2 in the MLB World Series on Saturday. Astros beat Phillies 5-2. Tonight, Game 3, Phillies at Astros in Houston. Phillies stand at a win-loss of 87-75. Astros 106-56. Game starts at 7.03 p.m. So far, series tied at 1-1. Yesterday in the NFL, Bears lose to Cowboys 49-29. Bears stand at three wins and five losses this 2022 season. Tonight, though, Cleveland Browns at home with Bengals. Game starts at 7.15. Bengals 4-3. Browns 2-5. All for now, back to you, Chief. Do we have Ms. Audrey? We do indeed. Audrey, how are you? We're just fine. How are you? I'm um, doing doing good. So far, it's early yet, as they say. Mm-hmm. How foggy is it out by you? Uh, by you? Uh, probably can't see more than twenty feet out the back uh, back of windows right now. Wow. See, I bet you, I bet you wish you had my truck with the fog lights. <laughs> no, I don't, because I'm still in the house. I have no issue. Oh. <laughs> so you? <laughs> what does your poodle think of the fog? They've already been outside roaming around, so it doesn't seem to affect her too, too much at the right time. Uh-huh. She went out, but they were very happy to come back in. It's, uh, yeah, it's very dense out here because I'm uh, kind of close to a um, small river and in the valley, so all the fog is just like, it's like being in a big cloud right now out here. Well, that's so cool. It's pretty. It's actually very pretty. Hey, uh, a, lot of, a lot of topics for you today, but I just want to run this one by you. Remember when we were on the trading floor years ago in a one-word that we thought we stuck on the shelf and would, would never never bring out again was stagflation, remember? And I, I, I used it like two years ago. I was like, don't use the word. It's like yelling shank at a driving range, right? Eurozone inflation, it's record high of 10.7% as growth shows slows sharply. Does that sound like stagflation to you? It sounds just like it's coming up. Yeah, it's uh, unreal. And uh, Hey, but what I wanted to... Uh, among other things, I mean, we got these rates now, and uh, you're, you're, you were telling me the other night over uh, a nice dinner that we were uh, 
or that some people that Nancy got somebody arrayed about what seven, but around the rest of the place it was seven and a half, and uh, Richie gets what was it? she got seven and a quarter, and the other one was seven and five eighths, but it's over seven now, right? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, yeah, she had, well, that was Friday, so we don't know if that's available today because they are changing. Uh, but it's changing minute to minute. Every 10, 15 minutes, you know, things change. So if you're looking at your mortgage right now and you're looking to lock in, uh, I hope your mortgage broker is uh, advocating for you because uh, it is a very fast, fast-moving market right now. And it depends on your credit and, you know, who's actually uh, helping you out here. So, yeah, she had gotten, uh, my, I was getting quoted seven and five, eight, seven and three quarters, and she was able to quote him a seven and an eight on Friday. But you have to lock it. You can't um, assume that it's going to be there. What, um, what are the differences in closing costs among the various people? Oh, that's a good question for Nancy, but they do vary, and I always tell people to ask your loan officer, your mortgage broker, what their closing costs are, and you should get a uh, good faith estimate of what closing costs would be, but you do need to ask that up front. You know, what are the fees that your uh, bank or mortgage, or mortgage broker charges? So that's something that should be very important in addition to your interest rate. Well, I know they, they can vary, you know, a few thousand dollars. I know she's helped uh, some friends of ours in, uh, in, in I'll, I'll say, the minority neighborhoods and uh, saved them a boatload because it's, it's like a national sport stealing from people there, right? What? It's like a national sport. I can't and, uh, hear you. It's, it's like a national sport in some of the minority neighborhoods, people stealing money from people and, and mortgage uh, fees. I really don't know. Um but I, uh, you do just have to be aware that, you know, rates vary, and you should always make sure you ask that. Hey, uh, one topic I definitely want to bring up, because we talked a little bit with Carl on, on Friday, and he uh, and you know, some other uh, contributors to the show were talking about how some of these companies are buying up all these retail properties and are actively bidding, like, against not just the foreclosures, but they're actively bidding on, like, regular homes and stuff and and carl says that's going on in tennessee i haven't i've not i mean if it was going on here i gotta believe you or nancy would have mentioned it to me is it have you have you been outbid by like black rock on a house yet or anything like that that's been going on for the last 10 or 15 years across the country and it's been going on here uh with different, different large firms and detroit was one of the first few places they talked about it the very very bad bad situation because these people come in and uh, you know pay cash and buy these houses up and one of the few last places that your mom and pop average person can make money is purchasing real estate for investment and it is really getting to the point where it's it's a dangerous situation because there's so many they buy thousands of homes hundreds of homes and that's something that is then ever out of the average person's reach and many of the, the problems here you'll see, I've seen going up, is that these places will buy houses, rehab them, and charge huge rents and pose huge, uh, let's say, barriers, or if you want to say uh, regulations on what renting is. And some of them want up to four times your monthly income to rent. Well, why wouldn't you just buy something? 
So it's not um, a very good thing, but it doesn't seem to be a big outcry about it. So it's, uh, I don't think it's a very good situation, but it's been going on for quite a while. It's just becoming, not flying under the radar as much people are becoming more aware of it. But I've never, I mean, you and Nance don't tell me all about your business. I mean, uh, but I, I've never once heard either one of you say, boy, I got four bidders on this house, and my, my person is the high bidder, but old BlackRock came in and, and outbid them. Is it, that hasn't happened to you yet, has it? That's not, uh, in my area particularly, they like to buy blocks of houses, or they'll buy a lot of foreclosures. Uh, don't see a, a lot of that availability in my uh, area that I work a lot of times. So, you know, but it is, is this that I think it's a definite uh, uh, problem for the average investor and also people who want to live somewhere. Do those, do those people have, I guess my, the thing that when, when that starts to happen is, you remember that uh, I had that, well, I didn't end up selling it but because uh, I'm not, <laughs> not in your business, but one of my clients at the time said, gee, you know, anybody wants to buy like, you know, 1,500 houses on the south side or some massive number. And I go, uh, I don't really know anybody, but how about sending me the list? I just wanted to see where all the houses were. And they're, they were all over the east and south side, most of them in the, uh, one of the poorer neighborhoods, but some of the neighborhoods weren't bad. And and every every individual house, you know, it was a, the price they paid, how much they wanted for it, and uh, was it rented, and what the rent was. I mean, all I kept thinking about it is what kind of an organization, even even if I'm even if I'm BlackRock and I come in and buy, you know, I'm just using that name. I don't even know if that's what they do, but if I come in and buy fifty houses out of foreclosure, what kind of an organization do I need to, you know, at least get them up to code? Uh, to pick up the rents to make sure if somebody's something doesn't work or there's a leak there's somebody out to fix it. I mean, I can't even imagine the organization. Do those people have that kind of organization or are they just offload it all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot of people have that are a type of organization. You know, sm- uh, in uh, medium and large size shops. They bring their crews in, they fix the house up, they jack the rents up and put people in there. And they try to put people in there, but uh, some of the rents are the the actual most people who are renting are people who can't afford to buy. That's mostly right. how it is. It's, the American dream is to step up and own your own house, and I believe it still is. So these rents uh, become not only so high, but their uh, conditions to be met for the renters uh, are sometimes so stringent that you know it just cuts a huge, huge batch of the population out of being able to rent there. But that was Nancy, when Nancy was mentioning it. Well, last week or three weeks ago, or she, she goes, some of the, the rental, for somebody to rent, you know, they want, you know, you say X number of their salary, which you already mentioned, you want this kind of credit score, you can't have anything wrong in your credit history. Nancy goes, that person, I can get a mortgage tomorrow. It's almost like you, you defeat your own purpose. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It seems weird. Yeah, that, that is actually, I believe, you know, their way of, um, again, gentrifying a neighborhood. Well, You're good. putting up barriers to people to get in at a certain place, in a certain condition. You know, if somebody needs, if if you are trying to rent something for a thousand dollars, they're telling you you need four times the amount of rent to get there, or even three. You know, that's that's pretty hard on a lot of people. So, in other words, uh, and again, don't don't go down this road. I'll do it because you're the one who's licensed. But uh, you can't say, you know. No, no purple people allowed. You can't say 
no single people allowed, but you can say, by the way, I need a credit score of like 850, and you got to have four times the salary than to carry the rent, right? Which is which sort of gets you to the same place almost in some ways. Yeah, and most of these are um, and most of these organizations also are online applications, so you have to uh, pay a fee to fill out the application, and you may or may not be accepted. So it's all electronic, too. So you're really not going and seeing anybody or interviewing. You fill out your application and just have to wait to hear. So people can discriminate online, which they they can't in person, essentially. Well, it's a financial discrimination. Well, but yeah, but, uh, we, we know where that goes. I do want to look at it that way. But it's just, um, but you know what? They could do whatever they want with their houses. Then. Kind of strange. So what? All right, so what, give us some good news. What's the market? You, you still have some people buying, so it's not dead. When it, I mean, the, the the analyst in me says that with mortgages going to seven plus, that the house is worth you know half as it was at three and a half. But of course, that's not happening yet, and may and may not at all. Hopefully, it won't. Uh, but we, we have you haven't really seen this uh, some some parts of the country, like some of my guys that I work with and some of my other firms uh, will say in Carolina and other places. They're coming down by the day. I mean, California, they're coming down, but they're coming down from Pike's Peak levels. Uh, you haven't really seen that, have you? No, not really. Uh, the only type of, you'll see a house if it's not, again, it's still the same thing. Buyers want a home that they can move in, that they don't have to do extensive updates. So are there some price reductions if a house is sitting? Yes, but there are also still multiple offers because... Again, as we talked about before with unintended consequences, uh, now that you've raised the interest rate and people are, who are thinking about moving up, down, sideways, uh, are going to stay sitting in their house with 3 or 3.5% mortgage, why on earth would you sell your home to go move to something that you're paying, you have to pay 7% for? You'd end up in the same place financially, even if you're downsizing mostly. So why would you put yourself in there? So now we have a short, even a bigger shortage of inventory because people are just going to sit in their homes right now unless they have an emergency or a death or something like that that's going to have them move. Well, we just have to collectively hope that there isn't a recession like 2008 where all these people lost their job because the last thing you want to do is to have a job loss and, oh, by the way, you have to sell your house, transfer, go somewhere and pay twice as much somewhere else. I mean, that would be the case yeah, of so death for people are pretty much just willing to hunker down and see what happens. Now, I think the day of what I call free money is over. It's not coming back. And the young, younger generation who is just getting into homes assumed that 3 to 4% is going to be the norm. Well, historically, around 8% is the norm, yeah. if you look back at things. Um, but also, it was on, you know, a lot of times a lower-priced house. But this is what it's going to be. We might see if things go well. If we can manage to get this economy under control, you might see sixes, but you're not going to see threes. Well, the, the, the scary part for me, or for a lot of people, is with a 7% mortgage, you should have a 3% savings rate or 35 and these banks aren't even close to that. No, yeah, the same thing they also have. It's just amazing how they are just, again, the taking industry ripping the public off. What uh, what is there's a, there's a bunch of independent banks out by you. What, what do you have any idea? What what is the savings rate? Is it is it even one percent? 
I mean, because that's why we're going to the so, uh, auction every week for people. So, to you know, they wonder why people are having the behavior about figures to uh, live off their income. Well, you can't. Anybody who's putting money, in, you know, in a, in a bank or in, you know, what are you going to do for an investment? So, as they're just hamstringing people, it seems more and more, along with gigantic inflation, I don't know what they expect people to do. Why don't, uh, how, is, there, is there ever a way we, we have all these business talk shows, we have all kinds of stuff. What, what is it, what's it going to take, Odd, for somebody, uh, and, you, and you, you know, you obviously drive around with people and have a, a much better view of the world, I mean, uh, than just about any politician, because you talk to people every day. Why, why do people sit there with 40, 50, 60 grand in the bank and, and that, you know, call a PTI, call somebody, or, or go there yourself and go to the Fed and say, I want, I want to you know, I want a sixty-day, ninety-day T bill for four percent or something, or six months. I mean, well, what is, what is what is the the idea of not doing that? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, if you well, most people, what, yeah, well, you know, it's very simple. The average person doesn't know how to do that. It's an amazing amount of people. One of the uh, amazing amount of uh, failures in our education system. People have never taught simple things about money, uh, which for some reason, was uh, you know something I talked about. But I think nobody was taught about how to manage your money or run your life in school, uh, which I think that it should be taught. But how how do you maximize your money? It should be taught right around it uh, when you learn how to add, subtract, multiply, divide. You know, what do you do to maximize wealth? Most people don't know. Your average person is lucky to make a few bucks, go to work, and don't they don't have the time or even the questions to ask. They're going to go maybe wander into their local bank, take whatever they got there, and call it a deal. So there is no awareness of how to increase your money for the average person, I think. Because it was never... If you're not aware of it from your... Uh, if you don't grow up in a fairly affluent or educated household, you're not exposed to how to make money in any form, even to look shop for a better interest rate. And then it goes to shopping for mortgage rates, shopping for rates on your investment. People are not aware. It's a very simple thing. It should be taught any, everywhere. Well, you've it should had be commercials on, on it. Well, you've had people through your that years that I know about, you've had people that have, have like real jobs that didn't even have a bank account that's still cashing their check at a currency exchange, right? Haven't you? Exactly. So the very simple basics of life are not, are not taught. I think they should really fall less about... Uh, teaching kids uh, about uh, sex in kindergarten more, more about some basic life skills would be far more useful. Hmm. If they're teaching sex in kindergarten, i got to start over. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the things that uh, the uh, Pritzker clan wants to push through the Lurie Institute is also interesting for your yeah, it's a listeners to take a look, look at. It's an, it's an amazing... But that's another subject. I, in, in but I think that also people just simply need to be more aware uh, that they do have options, even if they're not millionaires. People think they have to be millionaires to get an, an investment start. And that's what I think simple education about teaching people, save a few bucks, put it in this, put it in that, you know, put, put it in a fund, put it in a T-bill, but something besides just trotting to your local bank, which is a hangover from just, you know, your 50s and 60s. 
Well, and a lot of people just said that because they didn't have parents. Except when I, when I was growing up, right, if you went to the savings and loan, it's that's all you knew. But you got a good deal. <laughs> you got three or three and a half percent. Yeah, it was, a, it was a way different thing. Yeah, and you were getting six or seven percent interest on your passbook. You really didn't have to hunt around. Now, unless you actually realize that you're getting ripped off or getting nothing for your money now, the banks are making a ton of money off you. Yeah. But, you know, somebody needs to tell people that. All I remember about kindergarten is that uh, I was a horrible colorer, so it really sucked. Yeah. Oh, I remember, uh, okay, here's one going back. Like, you used to have to bring a small wax milk carton. You don't make those anymore. And everybody had to plant a little, um, like, uh, plant. I think it was a, like a bean plant. And you had to, make, had to take care of it that it grew, so it taught you how to grow something. Hmm. Uh, so we saw something called go from a seed until a big plant. So it's like a project for kindergarten. Wow. And also, I may point out to you that we had to do a turkey, paint a turkey in kindergarten, and mine went to the Art Institute for display. And that was my first and last attempt at art in the world. How did you keep the turkey still when you were painting them? Only you would think. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it took me a while. This was not a live yeah. turkey. This was like, uh, as I'm saying, I was I was the world's most horrible colorer. So I, I just couldn't wait for a nap. That was my that was the high point of my day. Yeah. But uh, they stopped doing those rounds. I could, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so business is is decent. Um, what do you think happens? I mean, after the election, I, I I don't know what happens in this market. I don't know what happens to these interest rates. It seems like everybody's doing whatever they can do to make it to next Tuesday. Uh, do you think? I mean, how, I mean, I know I'm a little bit more aggressive on this than you are, but if rates stay seven percent, somebody's price has got to come down someplace. So I don't, they're not going to come tumbling down, are they? Well, I think if we get the right party in power, I think you're going to see a stabilization of the market and interest drop because there'll be a lot more security and surety in this uh, country. Well, I'd like the right party in power too, but there's no third party running that I know of. Just saying. That's okay. Okay. I look at by if I uh, I say if you say to see the Republicans uh, take the House and Senate, you'll see a much more stable economy. Um. Well, uh, the, the the statistics. We'll see what happens after say, election day. Yeah, I don't know. It's a uh, it's pretty crazy. I, I'm surprised that we've. I do hope uh, our our buddy Keith Peacock wins. What do you think are his chances? Uh you know what? I'd love to see him. But he's a, he's got a great mayor. He did great things for Orland Park. Uh, got us through the whole COVID. They helped businesses. He was—he just was an awesome leader. He'd be an awesome person uh, in Congress. I'm—I uh, I'm, hope he gets there. He's doing pretty well. I think he's got a shot here, and he would definitely be an asset to the state. And God knows we need it. Well, the other—the other dude, the Democratic guy, was pretty strong before, but that—that's two two districts. So he. He and the lady he ran against in the primary both were sitting reps, right? So now, mm-hmm. but his district, I saw some Pico signs all the way over in Mount Greenwood yesterday. That district goes all the way over to Mount Greenwood now? I think so, yeah. It used to be, it used to be. But it goes out west. I mean, so it's got a pretty big reach, too. But I did, so when I'm real I'm quick. Hoping, um, I hope you say the best. I think, he's, like I said, I think he's a great guy and he would do a great job. Well, this is real quick, we'll have a few seconds, is one of my fascinations with these people running, not only because I want to see some good people in there, but how how amazing these districts have changed. And it's it's real it's interesting, uh, Odd, that uh, uh our, our girl Karen uh Karen Reeves, 
I mean, she was running with a lot of different uh, African American people in in a, in a Bobby Rush's old district, but that district changed to to, to go way south, the other side of I eighty, where it's it's very white, it's very conservative, and uh, well, I don't know about conservative, but it's very white. And and Karen, who I think can talk to just about anybody. I mean, I really I think the most of her. I think the same thing about Keith. Uh, she did way better than any of the other candidates in the area south of I-80. So she connected with everybody, not just, you know, the people in the neighborhood where she lives. And uh, it's funny, because uh, uh, Keith Peacow's district, that district used to be west of Orland. Orland. Orland wasn't even in the district. And now the district is all of Orland and all the way east. So it's, it's, these things are real toss-ups for a lot of reasons because they're all different people voting. I really wonder how the, how those guys can even get a handle on who the hell their new people even are. I mean, the, the guy running against him, even though he's the incumbent, he's not really an incumbent in any of those areas, is he? I mean, he, he, none of those places were his. He was all the way up to Barrington before, and Barrington's not even part of this thing anymore. It's really, if it, it, just it'll, for most people, look at the new districts compared to the old districts, and you'll be stunned. And, and this Illinois thing. I mean, it's it's really something. Well, thank you very much. Uh, as usual, good stuff. SP Futures down 23. Nasdaq Futures down 86. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Are you going to get another job? I don't think I'd like another job. <laughs> what are you going to do about money and bills and... You know, I've never really liked paying bills. I don't think I'm going to do that either.